Hola, my name is Lucia Diaz. I'm the host of the Art of Representation podcast. The focus of this podcast is to make sure that Latinas see themselves in the world, feel represented and celebrated. I'm super excited to interview the, some of the most incredible Latina leaders within our community. Uh, we're gonna find out about their journey, how they got to where they are, and most importantly, how we can get there as well. So tune in. Uh, hola, hola, hola. Welcome to another episode of the Art of Representation podcast. I'm here with a queen of queens, Bernadette Joy, someone who I look up to because she's not only a badass um, mujer, but also has pink hair. <laughs> so, the badass mujer with pink hair. I like it. Just want to, I just want to welcome you, Bernadette. Bernadette, can you give us a quick intro of who you sure. are? Sure. Well, thank audience? you so much for having me. I'm so glad we're getting to reconnect after Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm Bernadette Joy. I am the founder at Crush Your Money Goals, and I particularly focus on helping women reach financial independence while not sacrificing their mental health for it. And I am first-generation Filipino-American uh I feel like I have a lot of um, uh, kind of connections and uh, kind of relatability to the Latina community as well, as I learned in Puerto Rico when we uh, first met. And I am the eighth of nine kids uh, on my dad's side. And uh, still, even though I consider myself to be financially independent numbers wise, I will say I'm still personally figuring out what the mental health and the societal uh, kind of norms and pressures and navigating all of those things uh, are for me. And so I share my journey on social media and on various media outlets on how women can navigate those really tough challenges as well. Thank you so much, Bernadette. And first of all, you are, you are like, first of all, Filipinos are the Asians of, uh, are, are the totally. Latinos of Asia, I mean, right? My, la- <laughs> my, my name is Bernadette Joy Cruz Malian. So, uh, I mean, yeah, we have we 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 are clear now that you are as well. Um, and I just wanted to say, like, um, for those that ha- don't know Bernadette, please follow her on social media because I feel like every single time I interact with you on socials or or listen to one of your speeches, uh, you were just at FinCon, correct? Like just recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just spoke at Women and Money in FinCon uh, in Irvine last week, and uh, I travel a lot to go speak at different places. But I love meeting people, not just on social media, but lately I've been really into meeting people in person. Uh, obviously, because we went through a long period of time where we weren't allowed to meet people. But there is some there. You just can't replace. I think that in-person connection. And obviously I learned that with you when I met you um, in San Juan. And uh, lately I've just been really wanting to meet as many women in particular as possible who are on this like really tough journey of just like figuring out what, what it is that we want to do in the context of the world that we live in. Yeah. I mean, let's jump into that like right quick. Let's dig into that. Um, I think it's super important Um especially us Latinas, your Asian background, like in the Filipino household, I know in my Latina household, the first thing they tell you is you have to buy a house. You have to, you know, have children right away. Like once you get married, um, how were those societal pressures, you know, growing up and, and purchasing your first home and seeing that maybe that's not the, the kind of like the way that you feel like you want your life to go? Like what, what was it that 
snapped and said, whoa, like I'm living somebody else's life. Ah, okay. So I just to give some context. So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I grew up in New York City uh, in Queens. I love you said queen, queen of Queens because I'm just like, I think I'm going to have to use that <laughs> going forward. Uh, so even though I haven't lived in New York City for a, a little bit, like every New Yorker will never have New York leave them, right? So uh, I grew up in, in Queens, New York. I realized, uh, actually, one of the first things I realized that uh, maybe home ownership might not be for me was that my mom and my dad, they uh, bought a home in uh, Bayside, New York, which is they moved there specifically for the school districts uh, to try to get me and my brother into better schools. And uh, there was just a lot of fighting about money all the time in my household. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to be fair, my parents made a lot of sacrifices in order to make that happen. Really, it was, you know, for me and my younger brother to be able to have better education. Uh, but when I went to college and subsequently after I graduated from college, my dad retired, was kind of like forced into retirement. And my mom was out of work for several years with some health conditions and just really having a hard time trying to level up her skill set to be able to get uh, kind of the pay that she had gotten previously. She was a bookkeeper, but she like didn't keep up with her computer skills and stuff like that. And so I got a call from my parents um, one day uh, when I was like, in my first job, not making a lot of money. And they basically were like, you're going to have to help us cover the mortgage. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like I'm 20, 22 at the time. I like can't even afford my own rent. <laughs> I hadn't, and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't uh, gotten any money from my parents. Like once I left, uh, left uh, home from high school, I, you know, they, they helped me pay for college. But uh, after that, I was like, it was kind of understood, like you're completely on your own. Like once you graduate, like, no, nothing's coming from us. What I wasn't expecting was the other way around for them to be like, Hey, we can't, we can't afford our house right now. Like we're going to have to, we like, we need help. And, um, and so I realized like at a pretty young age, like just cause you have a house, doesn't mean that you're financially stable. Does it mean that you have quote unquote made it? And I had kind of had to find that out the hard way. And long story short, my parents ended up selling their home in New York and moving to Las Vegas, which was a lot more affordable for them. Um, and that's where I started even considering for myself, like, do I need to stay in New York? Do I need to uh, live in a like a really high cost living area? So I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I will. I, I would love to tell you that I totally bucked this the societal uh, norm of buying a home and saying I don't need it right now. But I I totally fell into that trap. I was like, oh my gosh, well homes are so much less expensive here than they are in New York, so I should buy a house. And so I ended up buying a townhouse and then subsequently buying a single family home. And long story short, I found myself three hundred thousand dollars in debt with mortgages and student loans and just incredibly stressed out. My husband and I were like even though we make good money, like, why does it still feel like we're living paycheck to paycheck? And then in 2016, that's when we decided that we are going to start doing things differently. And it started off with just paying off student loans. But eventually, we started really thinking about whether or not owning a home was like part like for us at that moment in time. I think that's first of all, thank you so much for your vulnerability and opening up about your parents. That's actually the first time um, I've said that out loud on the podcast. Oh, so Thank you for, for creating the space. 
<laughs> of course. And it's so crazy. Again, uh, we're twinning because I have the same problem, like not problem. I, I have the same thing arise in my mm-hmm. family. In 2009, when I graduated from college, the recession mm-hmm. hit um, and my parents, you know, my mom was flipping at a bus, so she didn't really have that much of an income coming in. But my dad was working in aviation and he got laid off. And so I went back from college to live with them. And it was a very, very stressful time in my life because you have the weight on your shoulders and you're not making enough money. You're barely paying off student loans and here you are with a mortgage. And so I think that's kind of where my, my, for for me, my money wounds came about because of the fights and all the things that happened um, between me and, and just this mortgage payment, like thinking that I could, I was the only savior as the first uh, eldest mm-hmm. daughter. It, I've always kind of had to kind of fight my way through uh, life. And so now, you know, I'm super lucky. Me and my husband, we now live in Maryland. We left the state of Miami. Uh, we left the state of Florida. Thank God. Cause Florida's Florida's crazy, crazy right yeah. now. Well, it's so, it's so wild. And so like, we haven't purchased a home, but we've paid off our student loans. We've, you know, we're working on an, our investments and we're working on just another type mm-hmm. of life. Like seeing my, my, you know, seeing my brother and seeing that he has twins, God bless him. Um, like it's, I see the stress in his face. I see the stress in his eyes. Like I, like I feel the burden that society puts on us and saying, no, you have to purchase a house. No, you have to have the latest car or the latest gadgets or, and all, and, and thousands of dollars of debt and just stopping and thinking like, is this really what we want? Do, do I want to be outside like taking care of my, my house, like painting my house or like cutting the yard? No, I'm so lazy. Like I just want to be inside and just hang out. But I just really wanted to kind of, also unpack the fact that you went that route you took you did the things that society tells us to do and then you realize this Mm -hmm. isn't for me Mm -hmm. can you like kind of like unpack that how did you get from being in debt with student loans and you know especially now that a lot of a lot of I know Latinas that I've been talking to have to go back and repay them I've repaid my loans I was in a very fortunate situation where I did work at a corporation that I was able to get a bonus and I paid off those loans as soon as I could because I knew that they just were, were going to be trouble later on in life. So can you give us a little bit about how was it that mind shift? What was the mindset you had to say, you know what, I'm going to take charge of this debt and we're going to do something mm-hmm, about this. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of people say like it, it's not like an overnight thing, but for me, it actually was a little bit of an overnight thing where the mindset shifted, where I remember very distinctly, it was January, 2016. I was in my last semester of my master's program. I was basically going through a bit of like a quarter life crisis where I didn't like what I was doing for my day job. Um, I decided to go back to school because that's, that's what we're taught as like first generation, right? Like your, your ticket, uh, to successes education, right? And so I went to go get a master's. I had one semester of 10 weeks left in my master's program. And I was like, wow, 
I just spent a lot of money on this program and I still don't know what I want to do <laughs> with my life. It was 20 something at the time. I've been married about three-ish year. No, 2016. So five, five years. My husband and I have been married five years at that point. And we had um, the mortgages. We had the, you know, all of the bills that people normally have. Um, and then I was about to, I, I went to go look at what my student loan balance was and it was like over... $72,000. And I was like, how can that be? I've been paying money all along, like incrementally as well. And I just had no idea how much I had signed up for. And I had no idea that it was accruing interest, like all along the way. Like I just totally did not understand what, what the, the paperwork had said. I just signed off on it without even really looking. And so uh, I was at my desk uh, in class, it was a, it was an online program at the time I was in an online class and I'm like not even paying attention to what's going on. Cause I'm just staring at this huge amount of student loans. And I'm like, and I have all of this debt in, in mortgages and I have all these bills to pay. And I don't know what I'm going to do for my, my job coming out of this. And so I basically had a meltdown. Um, I would, I, I really wish I had like a camera back then if I could see what it would look like. Cause I, in my mind, it was like very dramatic and like looked like a Korean drama or I was just like flopping on the floor and like just bursting into tears or whatever. And, uh, you know, I go over to my husband after class is over and I'm just like, I think I really messed this up. Like, I, I think I just messed everything up. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I just like, I didn't realize I, I acquired this much in student loans. Um, I don't know how we're going to pay for this, including the mortgages. Like, I don't know what my next job is going to be. Like, I was just so scared. And my husband mm -hmm. said to me, he was just like, well, everyone we know has student loans. Like, everyone we know has, like, a ton of debt. And a lot of people aren't even making that much money, like, they they figure it out like everything will be fine and I was just like will it though and so I I and I resolved that and I was like you know what just because everyone else has has this stuff doesn't mean that I have to have it just because everyone mm -hmm. else like uh is is on the 10-year plan or 20-year plan to pay off student loans in particular I was thinking of a couple of people in my life it was like it's been like almost 10 years since they graduated and they still are paying off student loans I'm like I don't want that for myself. Yeah. And so I pretty much decided that night, like, you know, starting next week, I'm, uh, uh, um, I'm going to figure out how I want to pay off all of this stuff. And I don't care what it takes to do it. I just have to do it because the alternative is I'm going to live that life that everyone else is, which is like just being kind of chained to, you know, what their income is and jobs that they don't like, or, you know, just feeling the burden of all of that debt. I was just like, I can't imagine doing that for the next 10 years. And so I resolved that I was going to pay it off in two years, my student loans in two years instead of 10. Um, and we can talk more about it, but I ended up paying off the student loans in a, about a year. And then that's what really started to trigger the idea of like, oh, I didn't think I was capable of doing that. What else am I really capable of doing? Oof. That's, that's amazing. That's incredible. And I, for me, I think there's so many people that get up every day, go to the job they hate, do the same thing over and over and over, and then go get drinks, go like numb themselves and don't realize like the cycle that mm -hmm. they're in, the treadmill. And I love that you, you know, kind of stop, you know, you, you step back and you're like, I'm not going to do this for the next 10 years. I'm not going to do this for the next 20 years. And I honestly, I do want to dive a little bit into, you know, the loans part, especially student loans. I've, I've paid off mine, but I know like my brother and a lot of people have six figure mm -hmm. loans. So 
can you just give us like a, a little quick, you know, maybe a little tutorial on how you decide, okay, I'm going to pay these off and instead of two years. You yeah. Really don't want so, um, I am cliche Asian in that like I'm I, I just like math a lot of things. <laughs> uh, and so I, I when I sat there, I'm like, how am I going to go about this? I basically decided like I need to figure out a way that this is not going to be overwhelming and just start and just go. Right. And so um, the way that I started out with is like, OK, I have seventy two thousand dollars of student loan. So how can I reverse my way back into paying these off um, that I'm actually going to mm-hmm. stay relatively on track on. So I said, okay, $72,000, if I were to pay that off in two years, uh, that would be $36,000 a year. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. (laughs) That's more than what I, you know, making my base salary. Like, how am I going to do that? Okay. That's too overwhelming. Let's keep reversing. So $36,000 a year is about $3,000 per month. Okay. That still feels a lot, still feels really heavy. Let's just keep reversing back. So then I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, $3,000 a month divided by four weeks in a month is about $750 a week. And if I did, if I tried to just do something every day, that'd be a little bit more than a hundred bucks a day. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, okay, Bernadette, are you capable? Can you figure out anything for a hundred bucks a day? Like anything, like, are you smart enough to figure out a hundred dollars a day? And I was like, you know what? I think I can figure out something a hundred dollars a day, even if I don't do it every day. Right. So I started out with a lot of things that just like were immediate and like um, very like, you know, short term, like like gratification. Right. Like I was like, let me sell my ish on, you know, Poshmark. Let me go um, do some extra resumes. At the time, I was an HR person. Like, let me charge people for writing resumes. Let me um, uh, sell some of my old furniture. Like I just did anything that was just like immediately obvious to just like start getting the ball rolling. Right. And and then once I started running out of those ideas <laughs> was when uh, I, my husband and I really started to learn more about budgeting and being able to, like, look at all of our expenses, like looking at where we can save money on, like, credit card interest rates and looking at, like, high yield savings accounts and starting to learn more about finances, which is really what kickstarted my personal finance journey. But everything that I started out with was on the premise of like, Bernadette, are you capable of figuring out hundred bucks a day? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and so I encourage all of all of the uh, people who like me were like, oh my gosh, I have this huge amount that I'm trying to pay off right now. Might be $72,000, might be more than that. Uh, I know many people who have like, like you said, six figures of debt. If you just think of the big number, it just feels like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But if you can keep breaking it down to something that you can, to a reasonable amount that you think you can do daily or weekly, just start there, even if you don't do it every single day of the week. I love that. I think that's super important to kind of not overwhelm ourselves with the big number, but really kind of work backwards and try to divide it as much as we can in, in ways that are digestible. And I mean, I, I remember when I, you know, was paying off debt i tried not to to look at those huge numbers but they're going to catch up with you they're never going to leave you like they're with you forever so with that i want to thank you for those tips and kind of moving into your entrepreneur journey and fire like when did you learn about fire and what is fire for those Ah. who don't know so fire in the traditional acronym it stands for financial independence retire early and 
Um, there's been many predecessors to this. I'm definitely not the uh, the founder of the FIRE movement, but I am def- I've definitely spent a lot of time learning about it. I have personally changed the acronym to for me to mean financial independence, relax every day. I am, uh, yeah. Uh, For me, it it just made more sense in that like retirement felt like, oh, that's what like old people with like silver hair do like in their 60s. And I was just like, I don't want to wait until then. I want to be able to wake up every day and at least feel every day that at least I got some moments of relaxation because I don't share this a lot either, but like I've um, been diagnosed with like depression and anxiety in the past. Like I've struggled with mental Mm -hmm. health for a long time for like most of my adult life. And so financial independence relax every day just felt a lot more meaningful for me to say, you know, even if I never retire, am I going to feel like I wake up every day and I feel like at least there's some moments in the day where I don't feel like completely anxious (laughs) all the time. Um, and so I, le- I started learning about the FIRE movement in 2019, um, and that was after I paid off my student loans and I subsequently paid off my mortgage at the time. I At the time, like all I knew was like just paying down debt. Like I didn't know anything about investing. I didn't really know anything about like trying to um, like grow my income. And I wasn't really sure I wanted to be an entrepreneur like long term at the time. So uh mm-hmm. I started learning about FIRE and what I really liked about FIRE was this idea of financial independence, like the FI part, less so than the retirement part, which is like, well, what can I do to structure my finances so that I have more choice in my life every day? And what can I do in my finances such that I start making choices based on what's best for me versus what I can just afford? Um, And yeah, and so that's that's really like how I, I teach financial dependence now when I do the work that I do is it's there's definitely money involved in it and like understanding investing and growing your income and a lot of things that you see like in kind of traditional fire movement but I've overlaid this piece of like well how do we make sure that we do this in a way that's not at the expense of your mental health that also is according to what you want in your life not just like what society tells you 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 need to do and then also particularly as a woman and a woman of color how do you uh, achieve this despite all the things that may sometimes feel like they're working against us. I love that. So let's, let's, I mean, I think for me, I didn't learn about fire until Janice talked about it on her podcast. And so I started kind of researching and dabbling into it, but it wasn't until the summit in Puerto mm-hmm. Rico that I was like, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is, this is my type of movement. Uh, and I wanted to kind of really dive into your business and how you crush money goals and how you started it. And then how are you helping, especially women of color, like crush these goals? And what are ways that we could work with you? How are different? Do you have a one-on-one courses? Do you have group coaching sessions? Like, what is it that you're doing right yeah. now with uh- Money. So my my education company is called Crush Your Money Goals, and um, the origin is that I actually had a pod uh, I had a podcast myself back in I started in 2018, and it was called Crush This Debt, and it was specifically just sharing how I paid off all of my student loans at the time, and I had so many people who had reached out to me wanting to get more help with their student loans, and it was really interesting to me that. In particular, it was uh, a lot of 
uh, women of color who were also very high earning, which I thought was fascinating um, because I think they just saw something in my story. Like I was in corporate HR for a long time. I was making six figures like uh, um, in my last job. And but no one taught me about money to do to manage it well. And I never even considered like retiring early or financial independence. And so a lot of women were reaching out to me and asking like how they could uh, like, could I teach them? And so in 2020, I launched uh, my business. It was January 2020. Uh, and it just started out as like an online community, like uh, $29 a month at the time of just like I would have a meeting twice a month and I would just like talk people through any questions that they had. Like I really had no grand plan for this. And um, yeah. I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to help as many women as I could because I saw how much paying off debt and and changing my finances like uh, improved my mental health that I wanted other women to do that too. What I did not anticipate, of course, was the pandemic, <laughs> um, which then was in March, right, of 2020. And so I really had to like figure out like, okay, how am I going to like help people when initially I was just like doing this kind of one iteration of just like um, helping people like with individual meetings. And I started realizing like, okay, meeting every person individually, like it was becoming too much, especially at $29 a month. Um, and so over the course of 2020, I just continued to evolve and, and like start to offer more group offerings, started to offer classes. I, I partnered with a company called Skillpop that let me teach financial education classes. And then end of 2020, I launched my first program, which was Flow Your Worth, which was really geared towards um, people who wanted to grow their incomes and pay off their debt faster. Um, and it followed the acronym flow. I love acronyms. And so that was like my first like full fledged program. And then ever since then, I've grown the business to include kind of all the different things. So I have like individual coaching um, uh, that I do with people for 90 days. I have uh, actually today I'm kicking off my next cohort of flow your worth, which is specifically now for entrepreneurial uh, people creators who are trying to grow their six-figure businesses. And then I have Crush Your Money Goals, which is the uh, foundational boot camp that, uh, that I offer to anyone who's just trying to uh, streamline their finances. And, and then this past year, and that's how I met you, is I've started doing a lot more speaking engagements, which was actually the original intention of Crush Your Money Goals was to do live speaking engagements. But then Obviously, I had to figure something out during the pandemic, but now that we're back live, I've really enjoyed meeting people in person and doing live um, engagements at conferences and um, kind of corporate environments where people like you maybe not have not have heard of financial independence before, but now they get to meet someone in real life, not on YouTube, not on Instagram, someone in person who's actually done the thing. No, I mean, if... If I could tell you the top speakers that I've ever listened to in my whole entire life, you're oh one of them. Oh my God, like, thank you. presentation like shook me to the core. And I feel like there's so many like things that you, so many gems that you dropped in that conversation that I think, you know, if, you, if you're scared of, of that first step or you don't know where to go, I feel like investing yourself will always give you the best ROI and me sitting in that room and listening to your story and understanding that I could do this too. Like, yes, it might seem like a huge mountain that I'm going to like overcome, but there are coaches and experts out there like yourself that can get us 
past a lot of things and we don't have to do this on our own or DIY Absolutely. And I think I love that you have different levels, you know, you have different levels. If you want to just start with, you know, kind of like the boot camp, the finances, getting your finances in order and then kind of work your way up. I think that's something definitely that I'll add in the blog post to this Thank episode. You. And I really want to kind of dive dive in a little deeper to the entrepreneurial one that you're that you were mm-hmm. just talking about. Why did you decide to do that specific thing? Yeah, uh, it, it happened kind of organically. So for the last couple of years, I've focused mostly on people's personal finances, but several of my clients just grew with me along the way. And so, so uh, a lot of the clients that I had back in 2020, they've since then like paid off all of their debt. They're investing now. They've um, kind of done all the things that you need to do in terms of streamlining their their um expenses. Now, the only thing, if, if you want to become financial independent, there's two things you have to do. You have to streamline your expenses, you have to grow your income. And so uh, they just started organically asking me, well, well, how can I, how can I grow my business? How can I grow another stream of income? And so that's where Flow Your Worth started. And Flow Your Worth is um, something that's even new for me this year. And I'm, I'm doing it very differently where I am, um, treating it more as an accelerator versus a coaching program. So I came from the tech world mm-hmm. where there are all these different programs for like founders who, uh, you know, try to help them grow like a business from scratch. But uh, I noticed in a lot of those accelerators, there is very little representation of women. And again, people of color, uh, all of the mentors were white men. Um, and a lot of the focus was just around growing the revenue, but not necessarily the bottom line, and then not necessarily flowing it into your personal finances. And so I call it for your worth, because at the end of the day, the the main reason to grow an income is so that you can pay for your life, right? And a lot of these accelerators were just like, grow revenue, like 10x, 100x, like, you know, make it so that you can sell your company. But like, I've, I've also met a lot of founders who are personally broke, even if they're even if their business was doing well, right? And so I wanted to create an accelerator for uh, particularly people who I consider to be creators, um, not just like the online creator that you think of, but like anyone who creates opportunities for other people. Um, It doesn't have to be like, just like things like artistic or what you consider creative. Like in my current cohort, I have um, a handyman business. I have a industrial pipe business. I have a psychotherapist. I have an interior designer. I have um, a leadership coach and I have a mental health like expert and and then I have a comedy uh, theater, right? So like very completely different businesses, right? And almost none of them are like online based. Um, and, and, and I also noticed that a lot of um, people of color, like a lot of the businesses that I've seen uh particularly I would say Latina, uh, Latino and like Asian tend to be more uh, service-based things like retail or restaurants or like home improvement type of stuff, like things that are more like tangible versus like online businesses. And I saw there was a lot of uh, programs or coaching for people who are just growing online businesses. And I wanted to be able to support people who are actually growing like brick and mortar things too. And so Flow Your Worth is actually launching today with this uh, next cohort. It's been in different iterations, but I'm really excited for this iteration of it because it's specifically dedicated towards people who've already like said that they not only want to grow their business, but they also want to flow that money into their personal finances and learn about other things 
other than just growing their income in their business, but also things like investing and mental health and um, giving back to the community and stuff like that. So I'm super pumped for it, if you can't tell. And it's part of it's part it. of my personal plan. Like I my my goal is to be, you know, an angel investor, like venture capitalist, like down the road. Um, and this is like kind of my stepping stone in that into that too. That's so beautiful, Bernadette. I mean, honestly, um, it's incredible, like that you, you know, you're not only that you've learned how to be financially independent, but also that you're teaching entrepreneurs, especially me as an entrepreneur. It, I, I feel like I still struggle a little bit with my worth. And I love the title of your program as well, because I feel like a lot of us, especially entrepreneurs reinvest most of the money that we get from our businesses back into our mm-hmm. businesses. And so that, you know, outside the exterior, we could look incredible and we look, could look successful, but interior, like the interior personal finance might not be mm-hmm. so hot. It might not be incredible. So I love that. Uh, you're kind of, kind of really bridging that gap. I just finished uh, an accelerator. Oh, recording. nice. Yeah. Um, I'm super, again, that accelerator was, was pretty great. It was awesome. But a lot of it also was that build it as, as quickly as possible and then sell it. And I don't know, like, I'm not sure if I want to, you know, take it into those directions. Like I want to, I, I like building sustainably. Like I don't want to do a wrench in my mental health and just be like, yeah, let me go fundraise and probably the worst economic fundraising climate ever. Um, I think there's so many things that as founders, we're not taught in school. We're not really taught about finances at all. And so I think it's super important that we, you know, step back and figure out what are our weaknesses? What are the things that we need support with? And I love that you have that support because it doesn't exist. It really doesn't exist for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I just want to say, um, do you, with, when it comes to your cohort, do you have an application process? Do people have to have certain thresholds in order to join the cohort? Uh, the answer is, uh, yes, there are some thresholds. Uh, typically I want to see a business owners who've been doing their business for at least two years and who have at least made, um, uh, at least $10,000 in revenue. So this is not for like brand new, uh, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I specifically look for businesses that I think have a lot of growth potential without having to have a lot of uh, manpower. So what I mean by that is like a lot of accelerators are just like, oh yeah, so grow this business so you can have like a hundred employees or a thousand employees or whatever. And I'm actually like, uh, I'm of the, uh, I'm of the mindset that like you can still have a lot of impact without having to like make a mini empire. <laughs> um, and from a personal health and from a mental wellness ex, uh, uh, like expectation is a lot of the, that kind of hustle mentality, um, can break a lot of people. Like I've seen it personally where I remember like, even when I was in my MBA program, there was a guy in my program who was very successful, like grew a startup from like, you know, zero to like IPO went to like be able, be able to become a publicly traded company, but he would brag about how he was in the hospital and taking meetings at the hospital. And I was just like, uh, no, like that's not something that I want to do. And, you know, I tell people too, like, uh, you know, I, I'm the type of uh, entrepreneur that like, if I can figure out how to do it with like the least amount of resources, like I'm going to do that first, not to, not to compromise any quality, but like, 
for example, like even for myself, a lot of people are surprised when they find out that I'm like a solopreneur. I don't have any direct employees, but I'm still able to make enough money for myself, like multiple six figures in my business because I've been able to figure out a lot of systems and processes where other people would just use people in, in those places. And so I uh, specifically flow um, the four areas that I cover is finances, leads, operations and worth. And the worth part is probably the most important to me where it's like, it doesn't really matter how big of a business you've grown or how much money you make if you are still feeling like crap inside and you're still sacrificing your relationships and your health for it. Like that is like an absolute no-go for me, for any of my students. Um, and my philosophy around business is like, the you know, there's no point in having a business if it's gonna run you into the ground, right? So I, I'm trying to help, like you said, build uh, businesses that are sustainable and that can help people, but not at the expense of the founder or their, uh, or their lives. I love that. Um, as someone that has brought a lot of toxic uh, habits from her corporate journey, um, I think it's super important um, that we, we touch on that. Like mental health isn't touched about on, especially I, I could probably, you know, if you go to, to any school to get an MBA, they're not going to talk to you about mental health. Mm-hmm, period. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's like going to the gym. Like you have to exercise your mind the same way you go. If, if, if you go to the gym, I don't go to the gym right now, but if, if you were to go to the gym and I think it's so unfortunate that I've seen, I mean, I experienced this myself. I've gone to the hospital myself after going through spurts of growth in my business where I, you know, get a ton of orders or I have a ton of like speaking engagements or there's a bunch of things that go all at once and my body breaks down, you know? So I think the best thing to do is think about what is the life that works for you and looking at founders that do have those IPO companies or that are in sitting in the shelves of Target, you might think that that's the, the journey you want, but you don't know how much it takes to get to those levels and to sustain those mm-hmm, levels. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's another thing people don't really talk about. Uh, they, they talk about their wins all day, every day on social media, but they don't really talk about the expense of not seeing their family grow up or not being there or not taking vacations. Like I much rather a hundred times over have a million dollar company versus and not have any employees or have minimal employees than have a $300 billion company and not have any, you know, not be able to take any time off, not have vacation, not have any sick days because I'm running this empire and it's running me to the ground. So yeah, you have to have, you have to make sure that your business is working for you, not you for it. So I just love that. Can you repeat the flow acronym again? Cause I think, I think it's, it's really, it's a pretty amazing. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, there's different forms of flow, but like what I cover specifically is like the four areas, which is like finances leads. So like, how do you actually, uh, you know, create sales without being sleazy. And, (laughs) and also how do you find the right uh, leads where you don't have to spend as much effort trying to convince people, you know, what you're trying to do operations and then worth. Um, And what I think is uh, really different about how I'm teaching this versus how I've taught it in the past was that a lot of 
a lot of the emphasis uh, in accelerates tend to be around scaling and specifically, um, and I think you caught on it uh, with one of the questions you had sent me was just like, you know, I actually work 20 hours a week and I try to stick pretty closely to that. And pe- most people are pretty shocked when they hear that as well of like, well, how are you making six figures and still only working 20 hours a week? And so a lot of the framework that I teach people is around how you can build a sustainable business and not and literally not have to work uh, like a full, like traditional work week. That's, that's like, you're literally buying your money, like your time back. And that's something that's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, an, that's insane. That's amazing. I remember seeing that on social media, you posted it, you're like, Oh, yeah, I just work 20 hours. I'm like, excuse me, like, I work, like, I feel like I work 60, 70, I don't even know. Um, and I feel like it's because of that hus- hustle culture that is embedded in us. Um, and I'm trying my best to kind of really, like, you know, invest in myself and and have that ROA come back to me, but not think that I have to run myself to the ground in order to be successful. Like, there's other ways of doing it. And you're a perfect example of that. And did you have any mentors that got you to this place? Um, I would say mentors, but like in the opposite direction, in the sense of like, I saw a lot of like what I didn't want to do. And this is, you know, this is going back to my days, even in corporate, like I remember even thinking uh, in my first, my first job, it, I, I realized I was like not a great employee because um, I was working in like basically like a call center type of environment in HR. Mm-hmm. And they have like, you know, 20 associates that are basically all doing the same job. And I would just like, challenge myself to figure out how to do my work faster, you know, like, and finish, finish sooner. And, and then I would just be like sitting at my desk, <laughs> like, just like staring or like whatever. And my, my manager would come over to me and be like, why aren't you working? And I'm like, I'm done. And they were like, how could you be done? Everyone else is still busy. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just done. Right. And so they, they moved me to two, di- like after that first one, they moved me to a different desk. They're like, well, we're going to put you in a busier desk. Like we must not have given you enough work. Then I finished that one really fast. And they put me on quote unquote, the hardest desk that they had. And I finished that one faster. And they're like, they like, it was to the point they're literally like, she must be like doing something not right. Right. And, and then, uh, but what I told my boss at the time, like very audacious 23 year old Bernadette at the time, I was like, why am I getting, I said, why am I being punished for getting my work done more efficiently? I said that to my boss in my performance review. Cause I'm like, you just keep giving me more work. Like where the other people who aren't doing as much, like aren't doing as much work, like they get to just have less work. Like, I don't get it. Like, why, why do I have to do this? <laughs> right. And she didn't have a good answer for me at the time. Um, and ever since then, I've always like been very like stringent about like getting my work done in, a, in, a, in an efficient amount of time because there's other things I want to do in life. And I think that's really the driving factor behind all of this. Like if you have things that you actually really care more about than work, then you will figure out a way to streamline work so that you can go spend time on those other things that you care about more, right? And this goes back to kind of what you asked about earlier and like societal norms. Like I used to get so frustrated when I was in corporate and like, you know, sometimes my coworker, like I wasn't married and I didn't have kids. I didn't have a dog. I didn't have anything. But then I was expected to like stay in the office and like my my coworkers who had kids, like they always had you know, a reason that they could leave early or whatever. And I was just like, just because I don't have kids or a dog or whatever doesn't mean I don't have other things in my life that I want to do that aren't equally, you know, 
acceptable. And so a lot of what I do now in Crush Your Money Goals and in my programs is basically, you know, selfishly for the the girl like 15 years ago that wishes she had someone who said, it's okay if you don't want to work like a full 40 hour work week, but you still want to make good money. It's okay if you don't want to have kids, but you still want to leave a legacy. It's okay if you want to build wealth, but you don't want to buy a house, right? Like there's, there's multiple ways to all of this. And so a lot of what I hope that I can share with people is that like, explore the other ways. It's actually, there's actually many ways to do these things that you want to do, whether it's to build legacy or build wealth or build freedom. Um, But sometimes you do need to meet other people who've done it in those different ways. It's not just like seeing it on social media or like hearing the stories that you read online, like actually interacting with people who've done it can make such a difference. I love that. I mean, I honestly, again, like I said, the, from the first moment I heard you speak, I was like, I need to be following every single thing that Bernadette is doing because I feel like it's the complete opposite of everything that I was ever told growing up from my parents, from society, from corporate. And, you know, even now, like, you know, and I'm in my mid thirties, but I know that I'm not going to be 35 forever like I think the biggest thing that we have to take into consideration is time is the only thing that never comes back like you can't replenish that and the ways that you're you're going about these programs is gonna not only open up so many opportunities for that person to make a good living but also to spend time with the family if they want to spend time like during my time at um at Amazon I didn't take off those three at all those three years and I missed out on you know family holidays um my brother like trips with my brother and at the end of the day like memories being able to you know continue like going through life and and not just being chained to your desk and working to death for things that people don't even like you people buy things that people don't even like to impress people that you don't even like like so at the end of the day i think for that you're just like like disrupting the whole system <laughs> that's what you're doing like you're like uh i know uh this ain't working this ain't mathing and oh, i love that you. so thank you and i have to say you know i've i've really enjoyed you know, following your journey as well. And I admire so much of your creativity and you wanting to also just like amplify other people's messages. I, by the way, your, your painting of me is like the first thing that people see when they walk into my house. Like it's literally, I'll send you a picture of it later. It's like right there when you first walk in. And I think that, um, you know, even like the art of representation here. Like it truly is an art in the sense that like, there's no right or wrong way around it. Well, there, I, I, I take it back. There are some wrong ways. <laughs> there, there are some wrong ways, but you know, to say that just because like this is, I've never seen the way that this has been done before. doesn't mean that it's not possible. And I think um, what I really appreciate about what you have done with your platform and what you, I've seen you like, you know, amplify the messages of so many of these other women um, too, that, um, sometimes like 
you may not you may not ever get to meet that person like in real life, right? And so like I do think there is such a power of things like this podcast and social media to be able to expose people to other ideas and other ways of living and lifestyles that they might not have imagined before. And so I just encourage anyone who's like listening to this to you know question rather than say this is why I can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I, instead just ask like well why not, right? Like why why couldn't I work twenty hours a week? Why why couldn't I, like, why can't it be me? Like, why can't I make six figures? Why can't I be financially independent? Why, why do I have to buy a house? Like just asking the opposite question, which is a very simple like act to do versus just assuming what everyone else told you to do. It opens up a whole other, you know, I think thought process and, and way of like living that is a lot more free. Thank you. I mean, I think, I mean, first of all, thank you for the flowers, Gina. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to amplify your story because I see, I like during our time in Puerto Rico, every single conversation we had, anytime you would say anything to me, I was like, I feel it so much. I resonated so much to my core because, you know, I am, I want to be that um, that person that amplifies my community and like really, really, you know, shares and not gatekeep the information that I've learned because we only live one life and I don't want people to wake up every day thinking that this is, that's the only choice. Like seeing how miserable I was in corporate or seeing how miserable, like my husband or anybody that I know, my, you know, my brother is, it, it eats away at my heart because I know there has to be another way. And you have this like plan for us. And I, and that's why I needed to have you on the show because everything that you are putting out is going to be changing so many people's lives. And I think at the end of the day, like if, if the world were filled with people like you, imagine how much of a better place it would be. So illustrating you was a complete honor, the best honor of my life, because I honestly... I remember researching you for that portrait and and just seeing different clips of you or, or researching your articles and it was just incredible. So I just want to say again, thank you for that. Uh, and I wanted to take the last 10 minutes, um, maybe jump on one last question about maybe investing, mm-hmm. why it's so important, especially for people our age, to, to be investing and not be so scared of all those headlines that you see on CNBC and all of those crazy media outlets. Like, why is it important for, for us to be an investor? And by the way, I am an investor. Ah, so I, I love that you made that reference at the uh, conference. I I basically yelled at everyone in the room, like say, everyone in this room has to claim that they are an investor because you are already. Like, uh, there's very few people in the world, unless if like you've literally just like, shown up in the world like that you haven't already invested in in something right and so um for us in particular i would say uh the reason it's really really important to become an investor now is because you want to show love for your future self like that's that's as simple as i can put it Mm -hmm. is um i i'll say this I wasn't planning on saying this, but I think it, it's relevant. So this past week, my um, my mom had a kidney transplant, and it was very sudden. And um, she's been preparing for it for a long time. My father passed away uh, a couple years ago, and she waited until 
uh, basically, you know, that my father passed away, that she started thinking about what she wanted her life to look like. And I don't think she just, I don't think my mom really thought much about what life would look like, like if he were to go first. And, um, and so then it just kind of opened up all of these things of things that she wanted to do. And she started, my mom, who I don't really talk that much to about like, life dreams and stuff started telling me all these dreams that she she has now like she wants to travel back to the philippines and she wants to see all these places and all these things and in order to do that she had to get a kidney transplant because she's not able she was on dialysis and so she couldn't travel with all this dialysis stuff and i happen to have you know the same it's a genetic thing so i have the same kind of issues with my kidneys that my mom had uh, with hers. And I've been hospitalized twice for my kidney stuff in the past. And, um, and so like kind of at an early age, like in my twenties, like, and seeing kind of what was going on with my mom too. Like I thought to myself, like, I don't want to wait until I'm 70 to do all the things that I dreamed about doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of times, you know, when we talk about investing, it's like, I, I will I'll confess I'm totally the person who also is like I can't even think like th- 30 years from now I can't even think about that like I can't even think about what I'm gonna eat for breakfast tomorrow you want me to like think about my future self in 30 years but time goes by so much faster than I had ever even imagined like I started my personal finance journey in 2016 like I mentioned earlier and it's 2023 now that we're recording this and it's been seven years and my life is materially di- it's completely different completely different. Now the choice is like, it could have been completely different in not a good way, but I would say personally, because I took some conscious decisions to invest and to invest consistently and to invest even when I was afraid and, and to invest even when I didn't think that I was capable, my life is materially different. And I can actually say at 38 years old, I'm financially independent. Like I don't have to do anything that I don't really want to do, which I didn't think was a possibility. So even if you're someone who's like, oh, well, I can't even think about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. Like think about how different your life could be even just a year from now or five years from now, if you just started to make some of the changes behaviorally and having even an investing mindset, not even just like the dollars itself, but just changing your mind to say like, you know what, I care about the future person. I care about what future me is going to look like and live like. And I care about, I care about that person. I love that person. So that's what I would say. I just, I love, I, first of all, Bernadette, thank you so much for your vulnerability and opening up about your mother and also about your condition as well. Um, As someone that also has health conditions, like I have of a crazy cyst that developed at my time at Amazon due to stress and terrible air quality environment. Um, I just want to say tomorrow's not promised. And that's why I think investing today is so important because you don't know what you're going to be facing five, 10, even a year from now. So if you're not investing, please open a broker's account and get started. And there's so many resources, you know, that, that especially through Bernadette, through even uh, Jenny's from Joquero Dinero, there's so many different areas and experts that could kind of help you get started. So at the, at, you know, now that we're coming to the end, I want to say thank you, Bernadette, for this beautiful hour of conversation. Uh, please let us know where we could follow you and uh, how else we could support. Sure. You. So. Um, 
I would love if you followed me, particularly on Instagram. It's at Bernadette Joy. Uh, and if you would like to learn more about how you can start your journey, I have a free guide. It's at crushyourmoneygoals.com slash free guide. And there I share the top 10 tools that help me become a debt-free millionaire. So definitely check that out. And then, you know, otherwise I would, I, I think the best way that people can support this type of work in general is to, um, you know, share this content and also, you know, um, specifically have a conversation with a friend today who maybe you don't normally talk about money with and just have a conversation about money <laughs> with a girlfriend, right? I think um, there's a lot of us who are still feeling like money can be really taboo as hopefully maybe we have demonstrated to you that, you know, we can talk about money in a way that is going to be um, healing, not just stressful. And so um, if anything today, this is your reminder to have a money conversation with someone you care about. Yeah, I mean, everybody can crush their money goals. And if, again, if you're not following Bernadette, I'm going to make sure to put her Instagram in the show notes and her blog post. Bernadette, mil gracias. I love you, wifey. I'm wearing actually the <laughs> earrings that we did. <laughs> Today, uh, I have them, like, I put them in my safe. Oh, I'm my like, gosh. They're my, they're my lucky so anytime I need to invest, um, like, for example, I just maxed out my 401k for the first time. Oh, my time God. Life. Congratulations. That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited. I'm terrified, but I am excited because I think at the end of the day, this is these are the things that are going to help us move forward and even though I'm a business owner, even though I want to expand quickly and do all the things, I need to take care of my future self. And if I don't do that now, I'm going to regret it. And I wish I would have started sooner, but it's okay. Just getting started today is the best way to do it. So if you're not subscribed to the Art of Representation podcast, please subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram at Hola Lucia Diaz. And with that, we're wrapping up this beautiful episode. The Quiero Wifey. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. Thank you. Bye. Mil gracias for listening to this episode. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also do me a huge favor. Send this episode to your amiga, anybody that would enjoy listening to this specific episode and make sure to also leave a review that will help us get found by more amazing Latinas como tú. Bueno, recuerde, Tú eres capaz. You are able to do anything that you set your mind to. You're a badass. And if you need a reminder, make sure to slide into my DMs. It's Hola Lucia Diaz in all platforms. Ciao.